Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. So on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is going to be really interesting to many divas. There is a diet craze right now called the ketogenic diet, and I've heard from many divas that have lost a lot of weight on the ketogenic diet, and then I've heard from many who are really frustrated because it's just not working for them. So we're going to sort of um, look at this diet and whether it's you know, to help you determine whether it's right for you. And I've invited a previous guest on the PCOS Diva podcast, uh, Martha McKittrick. And I think she's like the perfect person to talk about this topic. She's a registered dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and certified well coach, health and wellness coach. She specializes in PCOS and has been doing so for over 15 years. She's lectured across the country to medical professionals and women with PCOS, and she's been published in medical journals and wrote two chapters in a book on PCOS. And I know she's just come back from a ketogenic conference, so she has lots of great information to share, and I'm just so happy to welcome you back on the podcast, Martha. Thanks, Amy. I'm really excited to be back. I love your podcast, and I think this is a really uh, interesting topic to talk about, so thanks for having me here. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so happy that you're taking the time out of your schedule to just really, um, you know, let us know more about the ketogenic diet and um, kind of the pros and cons. That's what I'd really like to know about, but but first, why don't you explain, like, what is the ketogenic diet and how is that different from, like, your traditional low-carb diet? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and, you know, it's funny. You're probably wondering, oh, a registered dietitian, she's probably going to trash keto. And I know a lot of my colleagues are really, really anti-keto. Um, and I kind of, I mean, I've been practicing for, for a long time, and I just remember years ago when I was working at a major hospital, we had uh, infants on a ketogenic diet to help control epilepsy, mm-hmm. and that's actually when it started. It was like in the 1920s, and basically what they found out is when you put these these children on this diet, which basically they were allowed to eat almost no carbs, a super high-fat diet, it actually helped to control their seizures. So that's when it started, and so my kind of, I guess, initial reaction is, oh my God, this is a horrible diet, it's full of fat. And then Atkins came around, 
and modified it a little bit and it became more palatable. Um, where years ago it was more the children were consuming medium chain triglycerides and it's kind of like nasty fat, but with Atkins, you know, you were having steak and cheese and all that. And again, you know, the dietitian in me comes out, that's horrible, it's full of saturated fat and how can that be good for you? And you know, you look on Instagram and Pinterest and you're seeing all these pictures of just fat and, you know, carbs are bad. So, so I try to put aside my rather conservative training because I am open-minded and I wanted to take a look at this ketogenic diet and see what it's all about. And I actually followed it myself for five weeks, which I'll talk about in a little bit later. And like you said, I just came back from this low-carb conference in Breckenridge. It was three days of lectures on the ketogenic diet showing some new research. So to, uh, to answer your question, what is the ketogenic diet? Basically, it's a diet that induces ketosis. So what is ketosis? Uh, ketosis is when your body is getting its fuel from fat. Normally, our bodies like to run on glucose. Um, sugar. That's how that's how most of our bodies, our muscles function, our brains function. But the ketogenic diet is when you consume so few carbohydrates that you you lower your glucose levels and your insulin levels, and then your body is forced to use fat for fuel. So basically, in, when you use fat for fuel, you produce something called ketone bodies, and this becomes an energy source for the brain, the heart, the muscles, and your whole body. Um, so it's basically you kind of change from being a sugar-burning machine to a fat-burning machine. So that's what basically what the ketogenic diet is. It's a very, very high-fat diet. Um, there's different forms of ketogenic diets, like some to treat the children with epilepsy tend to be a lot stricter, but now it's a little less strict, and on average, it's about 70 to 75% of your calories are coming from fat, about, 10, uh, about 15 to 20% come from protein, and about 5 to 10% come from carbs. So to make that easier to understand, um, most experts recommend that you stick to about 20 grams of net carbs a day. So what does that look like? Maybe, um, you know, you could walk us through sort of like a breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. You know, it's hard because, like I said, I tried it myself because I feel <laughs> like I can't talk about a diet unless I've actually been on it. Mm -hmm. um, and the difference between the ketogenic diet and just a regular low-carb diet, and I hear a lot of women say I'm doing keto, you know, and then mm -hmm. kind of ask them and see what they're eating, and they're really not doing keto. Um, because if you're consuming a lot of protein, uh, and that's actually what Atkins diet is like, you know, it's a fairly, it's a higher protein and a high fat diet. When you consume extra protein, that can actually break down and turn into sugar. So that will, that will throw you out of ketosis. So like if you really want to be on a ketogenic diet, um, you're probably best off maybe at least in the beginning testing your ketone levels. And you can do that through testing your urine. You can get these ketone strips to test your urine, or you can get like a breathalyzer to test ketones in your breath, or you can test your blood. That's the most accurate way to see if you have ketones in your blood. Um, 70%, 70 to 75% fat, it's really hard to do. 
Um, it, it might sound like, oh, this would be a great diet if you love fat. You know, uh, you can have tons of steak and cheese and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? There's a lot of protein in steak and cheese. And if you're loading up on a lot of foods like that, you're going to get above the recommended amount of protein to stay in ketosis. So to answer your question, uh, what would you eat on maybe a typical day? Um, well, when I did it, um, I would have like one egg in the morning with a couple egg yolks. I would cook it in a lot of butter. Uh, I would throw in a little bit of vegetables in there. And then I would make a fat coffee. Um, it's funny, as a dietitian, I'm saying I put butter in my coffee. I swore I would never do that. But I put butter and medium-chain triglycerides or coconut oil in my coffee. Yeah, or, so, or bulletproof coffee, which yeah, a lot of people think coffee. of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I don't have the numbers in front of me, but my fat content at breakfast was probably like about maybe 40 grams of fat or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, for me, I was having to add in extra fat where I didn't really choose to do that, you know, putting the bulletproof coffee in and having lots and lots of butter in my eggs. So that's an example for breakfast. Um, and then lunch, I would have a salad. Um, but the thing also is you can't eat a ton of vegetables on a ketogenic diet. And mm-hmm. because if you're trying to keep it to be, you know, 20, 25 grams of net carbs, it adds up really fast. Like even there's carbs in nuts and, and there's carbs in avocado. And I love put a, put t- a ton of avocado in my salad, but that was bringing you above the, the oh, interesting. level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I did was I, ke- I kept track on an app. I think I used MyFitnessPal. Because mm-hmm. as, you know, as a dietitian, I want to be perfect with my numbers, so I I, ch- I tracked all my kind of my macros and all that, and and I saw that it, it added up really quickly. But so lunch could be a small piece of salmon, maybe like three ounces, with a lot of leafy greens, uh, quite a bit of olive oil on the salad, about a half of an avocado. Um, I really use a lot of olive oil and olives to get my fat intake up there. Um, and so keeping the protein moderate and the carbs low. And then snack could be, uh, you know, a handful of nuts. It could be um, some, like, almond butter on celery. Uh, some people do th- things like cream cheese on celery, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really trying to get in as much fat as you can. And, and then in fat bombs, too, I know a lot of people do. Yeah, people do fat bombs. Yeah, with yep. co- it's like a kind of like a coconut oil truffle, I guess you yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if I personally didn't have a lot of time to cook and prepare meals, mm-hmm. but if you're if you have time to do that, there are a ton of recipes you can get online that give you a lot better ideas than what I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- the main thing I think I see it, with ketogenic diets is that a lot of women they're eating a lot of protein and they're not getting their fat up high enough to get into ketosis. Mm-hmm. So then dinner, what would dinner be? Um, so dinner, um, I did, I cut some really fatty beef. <laughs> Normally I would look for like lean ground sirloin. I went and I get the fattiest chuck I could find. And I sauteed it with a lot of oil and I put it over zucchini noodles. Okay. Um, and again, olives, just trying to get in, get in the olive oil and, and the olives and th- things with the fat. All right. To be honest with you, it's kind of making me a little queasy. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd love to hear your, your pros and cons, but I'm, I'm all for healthy fat. You know, I love avocado and you know, adding, you know, olive oil and um, coconut oil, like yeah. my smoothies. Yeah. yeah. But I, it, I guess it, the, the fact that you're not eating um, plentiful amounts of plant food, you know, lots of vegetables, which I just think is so critical to successfully managing PCOS, um, yeah. you know, all of that fiber, like where's the fiber? Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually, I ended up going off it because all I wanted was an apple. I was like dying mm-hmm. for Granny Smith mm-hmm. apple. Um, so, you know, yeah, for me, it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess... I guess the question is really why are people doing it and, and why mm-hmm. might it be helpful? Would, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I know it is working or, you know, it may not be, it may be keto-ish. Um, you know, yeah. I think of like paleo-ish. Or dirty <laughs> keto. Or, they call it dirty keto. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dirty Because um, I know it's working. I, I see it yep. um, in, yeah. in divas. You know, they're, they're losing lots of weight. Those who have had hard times losing weight with other, um, you know, ratios of macronutrients so yeah um yeah so so tell us why you think it's working for for some i mean i think one of the main reasons why it's working is when you are in ketosis the actual ketones produce a bit of an anorexic effect and it takes away your appetite you just Mm -hmm. don't get hungry and i'm the kind of person where in the morning as soon as i get up i'm hungry and i want to eat but when i would have my fat bomb coffee um, sometimes I didn't even have breakfast and I wasn't even hungry until like one, one, one thirty, or maybe I would have lunch and I didn't even really care if I had dinner. So the ketones itself produce an anorexic effect. Um, and also when you're actually in ketosis, and I guess one thing I want to say about that is that it takes you a while to become fat adapted. Now you can go on a ketogenic diet for a couple of days and um, you're, maybe you're in ketosis, but you're not what's actually called fat adapted. Uh, it can take weeks to months for that mm. to happen. And what that means is that your body can be fun, become very, very efficient at running on fat for fuel. Um, and you can actually burn double the amount of fat than you would if you weren't keto-adapted. So keto-adapted is kind of the state that you would want to get to if you were going to be in ketosis. So you have to be patient. Um, and once that happens, you do burn a lot more fat. So what are the potential benefits? Um, one is that it does um, speed fat burning. Um, like I said, you're burning double the amount of fat. It can take away your appetite. Uh, you're just you're just not as hungry. It curbs cravings, which I know is huge for for PCOS divas. Is you know carbohydrate cravings. It can cut that a lot, really. Um, there is an increased weight loss. Now you can lose weight on really, you know, most healthy kinds of diets or eating plans that work for you. But they have done studies, and people who are able to stay in ketosis do have increased rates of weight loss. So it can speed weight loss. And is that actually due to the hunger suppression from the ketones? Maybe. Is it due to your body using more fat for fuel? Maybe. Um, you, also, you also consume fewer calories because if you're feeling kind of full or satiated all the time, you don't get that urge to keep snacking. So you actually consume fewer calories. Um, you can greatly decrease your blood sugar and your insulin levels because now that you're, you're consuming minimal carbohydrates, your, your blood sugar is not going up, you're not having to make all that insulin. So some women with PCOS find their symptoms are improved because they're making less insulin. 
um, it can decrease risk of type 2 diabetes. Some studies have shown it can actually reverse type 2 diabetes. Um, there's a website your reader, your listeners might want to check out. Um, it's called Virta. It's V-I-R-T-A. And um, they have a great blog, and it really explains a lot about ketosis. There's a really good blog post on it, ketosis and weight loss. It goes into a lot more of the science than we have time to get into. But people in their study were able to reverse their diabetes. Now, it doesn't mean cure diabetes. It's reverse it. So it means the blood sugar gets normal as long as you keep losing weight and you stick to the plan. So it can do that. Um, a lot of people say they have more mental clarity when they're on this. Um, they're doing a lot of research on using ketogenic diets for some neurodegenerative conditions mm -hmm. like Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's even, dementia, and ketones are a very clean fuel for the brain. Um, I don't know they know exactly why it works, but, but a lot of women who do go on these diets say they have mental clarity. Um, I didn't necessarily experience mental clarity, but I know a lot of people say they do experience it. Uh, other other possible benefits. Now, I know we all think of saturated fat as increase as increasing risk of heart disease. I just know that's how I was trained, and and saturated fat's bad, and it raises cholesterol, and that increases risk of heart disease. However, that belief is being questioned right now uh, by a lot of experts, and we're seeing maybe that's not true. You know, just like we were kind of brainwashed that fat is bad, and and eggs raise cholesterol. So mm -hmm. newer research is saying maybe that's not true. We don't think it's true. Um, so ketogenic diets or very low-carb diets might actually help decrease cardiovascular risk by raising the good cholesterol, the HDL, by lowering triglycerides. Um, now, it might raise total cholesterol, but when you look at the breakdown, it actually can decrease the small, dense, atherogenic LDL cholesterol and increase the large, fluffy LDL cholesterol. Um, but what I want to say is this is like super individual because some people genetically, if they do have a lot of saturated fat, it does increase risk of heart disease. So if you were going to go on a ketogenic diet, you know, and you had a history of high cholesterol or family history, I would definitely keep tabs on it. And I would want to get um, maybe like a more complete breakdown of your cholesterol. Don't just get the LDL, but get the whole breakdown, the different particle size and particle number to keep tabs on that. Mm -hmm. um, oh. And I was just going to say too, you know, we're, we're all bio-individuals, you know, we're all different. And I don't think that there's any one size fits all approach to diet. And I think you're right. You, know, you have to look at your genetics, and um, and you. I think it's it's good to experiment, and it certainly doesn't hurt to give this approach a a try. And that's why I'm just so glad you're you're here, kind of explaining it to all of us. Yeah, and I, I agree with you 100. percent And that's I think that's one thing is that we just have to really realize is that we have different genetics. We have different microbiomes, mm -hmm. you know, different metabolisms, and and maybe you know low carb or keto works great for some people, and other people don't need it. It's everybody's different, and gluten, you know, doesn't work for some, and it works for others. And we have to see what works best for our bodies. And just because somebody on Facebook is doing great on keto, and you've tried it and you feel miserable, don't feel like you're a failure. It's not for you. You know, it's certainly not my first choice for women, but 
I'm open-minded that some women do want to try it. So I guess my goal is to try and give advice on what's the best way to do it if you are going to do it. There are some benefits. I mean, again, this conference I went to, they showed a lot of really interesting work, work that they're doing with ketogenic diets. Um, so I think it's super interesting. I well, I, I didn't want to interrupt you on the, um, the, the benefits, so I want to get back to that. But I'm just wondering about sustainability. Um, yeah. It, it seems like this is one of those diets that you go on for a sh you know, relatively short period of time. I, I just think it's in day-to-day in -day life, it's hard to sustain something like this over the long haul. No, I long agree. Haul. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I, cer I certainly I agree with you. Um, but that being said, there is a small subset of people who it just really clicks with them. You know, yeah. I mean, the first thing is you have to love the food, okay? Mm -hmm. If you don't love high-fat foods, it's not the, the plan for you. It, like what I did, I like fat, but I felt like I was forcing having to add fat on all my food when I didn't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to love the food. That's number one. I think you have to have like people maybe in your life who are doing the same thing. Like if you have friends who do keto or you have family members, but I mean, socially it's hard. You know, mm -hmm. if you go out, we're not, we're not talking Atkins where you have like this massive 10 ounce steak. How are you going to get your diet to be 70% fat? Like how are you going to really get the fat intake up and keep the protein moderate? So it's not a super easy diet to follow. Um, but on one hand, like it made me cook more, so I don't really cook that much. So in a way, it was good. I had food in my refrigerator. I had some leafy green vegetables, and I, you know, I had, um, I bought more protein, and I was cooking. So in a way, that was good. Uh, but other, let me see. I think I'm kind of finished with my benefits. Um, I think the biggest thing is that it cuts carbohydrate cravings. It can help lower insulin and blood sugar greatly. Might help with mental clarity. Might help with mood swings. Um, they have done some studies where it might help eliminate migraines. You can probably cut a lot of your medications that you're on, uh, especially diabetes medications. Um, and it also might help decrease inflammation, which sounds kind of weird because um, you think an anti-inflammatory diet, you need a lot of fruits and vegetables and whole grains, which is true, you do. But when you have these ketone bodies um, – specifically beta-hydroxybutyrate, it actually turns on a gene in your body that protects against oxidative stress and, and inflammation. So mm -hmm. kind of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. But so what would the cons be? Uh, and I definitely have a lot of cons. Um, I think the biggest one, Amy, is as you said, is it's very restrictive. Um, and its sustainability can be a tough thing. Um, another big concern I have is a lot of women with PCOS you know, already have a somewhat of an unhealthy relationship with food or an increased risk of, you know, eating disorders or whatever. And now you're being told, I mean, talk about restricting, you know, you're being told you can't have an apple and you can't have any whole grains. And um, it, it is very restrictive. And you can't even eat a ton of vegetables because that might throw you out of ketosis. So it is super restrictive. But, you know, for some people, somehow they're able to just grasp this and, maybe it gives them almost like a comfort or like they're feeling like they, I don't know, they know there are boundaries and I don't like to tell people to restrict or have boundaries, but, but it really connects with some people and it, they feel safe because they know this is what they can eat and it works for their body. It takes away some decisions. So let me ask you, say there's um, a woman listening who's 
you know, wanting to get pregnant and her doctor tells her that, you know, she, they, they don't want to start any treatment until she loses 30 pounds. You know, do you see this as a diet that you would go on to help you lose that 30 pounds quickly or? That's a good question. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I guess my concern, and I think it, it, it po- it's possible, my concern would be is I don't think this is the best fertility kind of diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly wouldn't recommend somebody be in ketosis while they're pregnant or while they're breastfeeding. Um, there's a book out there, a dietitian wrote it, and I think it's called, um, I think her name is, Oh, God, I'm blanking on her name. But it's like eat real food for pregnancy. And she kind of advocates a super low-carb, possibly even a ketogenic diet. Uh, I think it's Elizabeth Nichols, maybe her name is. And she kind of advocates this kind of a diet. I just don't feel comfortable a woman, if she's trying to get pregnant, to be on such a restrictive diet and not get in these micronutrients. Um, A study just came out recently where – I think women who were following ketogenic diets while they were pregnant, there weren't good outcomes, and they're thinking maybe it's because the diets were deficient in folic acid because you're mm-hmm. not really having any any um, Green. grains, yeah, that have been fortified with folic acid. I mean, at the very least, I would say if you were going to do a ketogenic diet to get some weight off really fast, I certainly would take um, uh, a prenatal. And I would make a very strong point to make the diet as nutritious as you possibly could and get in some really nutritious vegetables and, and some plant-based kind of fats and proteins too. Um, yeah, I probably would be more of a fan of just, you know, maybe a very low-carb diet, but not necessarily ketogenic diet if you were thinking of getting pregnant in the near future. Okay. But, he, but so let's say – pregnancy, you know, trying to conceive aside, do you think that this is a good way to try to lose, you know, you know, we know that if you lose just 10% of your body weight, it really improves PCOS symptoms. So do you think this is a good way to do it? I think it's, I think it's an option. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to give people lots of options. Mm -hmm. Um, If somebody just wanted to bite the bullet and just stick to it, say I'm going to do it for eight weeks, um, sure, I think it's an option. You know, if if a woman were to walk in my office and say, what do you recommend? I don't think my first first choice would be keto. But if they wanted to do it, I'd be on board with it. Um, Now, do you have any sense of, like, transitioning out of keto into something that's a little more moderate? Um, yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, yeah, you definitely would want to transition slowly because if you're if you're on a diet that's like really, really low carb and then you go back to significantly adding in more carbs, I think you would gain weight probably pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I would ease into it, just slowly get my carbs back up. Um, you know, maybe now for talking 25 grams of net carbs, you know, maybe you would go up to, you know, slowly add in 15 grams per week. That's just a thought. You know, I don't like women to be obsessed with counting net carbs. And the only reason why I'm even talking about it right now is really because for keto, you have to. Right, right. I don't normally make women count their vegetable carbs. I actually had a patient come into my office a couple weeks ago, and she was so upset. She thought she couldn't have eggplant because it had like four grams of carbs versus three grams of carbs. And I was like, oh, God, this is just not good. Um, But... Yeah, so, so I think people could transition, do keto, get some weight off if you want to, and then transition into like a, a little more of a livable kind of a plan. Mm. 
So when, when you were on the, the ketogenic diet, did you see any, um, I know you said you didn't really have the, the, the clarity that some people experience, but were there any um, upsides for you? Well, I thought it was interesting because um, I do have a lot of carbohydrate cravings. I mean, I don't have PCOS. I'm not insulin resistant, but I definitely crave carbs a lot. Mm-hmm. And by adding, by being on such a high fat diet, like they almost went away. Um, I had lunch and I was fine. I wasn't like looking for some office snacks, you know, see what mm-hmm. kind of chocolate was hanging around. Um, no, I, I definitely had less cravings for sure. Um, and I also thought it was pretty interesting because I'm a big time cyclist and I was able to do a lot of long rides having like minimal carbs. And normally I have a ton of carbs when I ride. So I guess my body was kind of eating its fat for energy. I thought that mm-hmm. was really interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I didn't, I felt fine, but I just missed foods that I like that I couldn't mm-hmm. put into the diet. Well, I'll have to, I have to be honest. I don't think I could do it. I mean, I, I do enjoy a cup of bulletproof coffee every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I know myself, um, and I've, gosh, you know, just experimenting with, with food and um, over, you know, all of these years that I have to be really careful of that, like, restrictive, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when you start counting carbs yeah. and calories, yeah. it kind of yeah. triggers yeah. me yeah. Um, back into that perfectionist, like, gosh, if I don't get – if I go over my allotment, then I sort of throw in the towel. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, just in the way that I sort of teach with how to eat with the, sort of the PCOS Diva lifestyle, it's more of a intuitive eating, um, feeling how food makes your body feel and eating lots of nutrient rich ve- vegetables. Yeah. That's what works for me. And yeah. You know, yeah. I'm glad that you were able to talk about your experience on the ketogenic diet because I don't think I'm going to try it, and I don't. <laughs> I won't be able to talk about my experience. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, and I, I sometimes I hang out in some of the you know Facebook the groups and stuff, and you know I see. You know, I'll see a woman say, oh, I blew it. I had a piece of bread. I blew it. And she's yeah. just beating herself up. And, it, it, you know, that's it, just, it's not good. You know, I feel bad. It just shouldn't be that way. So I'm with you where it needs to be what works for you and listen to your body and what kind of foods do you like. And I guess kind of an upside is, uh, I mean, I think adding more fat to foods helps. Kind of that's one of my take-home yeah. points is that, mm-hmm. you know, I know some women tend to still be a little fat-phobic. And so, you know, add more fat to your meals. You don't have to be keto to lose weight. I think that's another thing I want to kind of stress is you don't have to. You can do right. a healthy diet. It doesn't have to be keto. It doesn't have to be super low-carb. You want healthy kinds of carbs, but don't be fat-phobic. You know, add yeah, some butter on your vegetables. Yeah, actually makes have it some butter. More, more delicious. And you can have, you know, we're getting past the whole saturated fat is bad thing. I mean, what I think is worse are refined oils. You know, oh, corn yeah. oil, soybean oil, all that kind of stuff. You know, that to me is not so good. Um, I think there's probably yeah, some. could you talk about that for a minute? We have a few more minutes. Um, oh, and I also, yeah, I'll talk about that. I also would just want to really quickly talk about why, other reasons why they might not be good. Uh, I think that's kind of important okay. to know. Okay, yeah. Um, if you are doing a ketogenic diet, there's something called the keto flu that can happen in the beginning, and that can be headache, constipation, you feel tired, lightheaded, poor sleep, no energy at all. Um, and it's really important that you take enough fluid when you're on a ketogenic diet and that you have enough sodium. 
So maybe have a couple cups of like salty broth a day because you're, you're losing a lot of liquid, you're losing a lot of fluid, and you could get an electrolyte imbalance. Mm. So you want to have the, the sodium, you want to have magnesium, like get in some leafy greens. Uh, it could be actually pretty dangerous. So beware on that. It's not a nutritionally balanced diet. It's, you're definitely missing in, lacking in a lot of foods. One of my concerns, and I know I was actually talking to uh, Dr. Gretchen, who you had on your show the other day, we were talking about this, is gut health. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of mention with ketogenic diets and gut health. Um, you know, I know you're, you're a big proponent of, of foods good for the gut. And like every lecture I go to, they talk about the gut microbiome and linking to mental health and, and 70% of the immune system. And if you're on a diet now where there's very few uh, very little fiber and plant, plant-based fiber, you know, what's that doing to your gut microbiome? And I think we just don't know long-term. Mm-hmm. It, we just, we don't know. So what I would caution you is if you were going to do the ketogenic diet is to do your best to get in uh, different kinds of fiber. We call these prebiotics. Um, and these are, these are, it's kind of like food for the probiotics. Fast, so you would get in different kinds of vegetables and garlic and onions, uh, asparagus, chicory root, uh, glucomon that you get in shirataki right. noodles. That has a lot of uh, prebiotics. You could even take a prebiotic supplement, um, a low-carb prebiotic supplement to feed your good uh, bacteria. We just don't know enough about that yet. And again, like I said, they're linking gut bacteria to mental health. So, you know, not everybody experiences mental clarity on the ketogenic diet. Some people don't feel good. Or even fermented foods, is there a place for those? Oh, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you could get in some kimchi, uh, miso, naturally fermented pickles. These are all low-carb foods that could fit into a ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. So that's an option. Um, another thing I want to say in terms of a caution is if you have any medical issues, like if you're on medication for high blood pressure or for diabetes, make sure you just double-check with your physician because um, – if you are having kind of rapid fluid losses or, or rapid weight losses, you could get some kind of serious health issues if you're, you stay on your regular dose of medication without adjusting it. Uh, and there are certain medical conditions that people, if you have, you should not be following a ketogenic diet. So that's another caution. Uh, as I mentioned before, make sure you keep tabs on your cholesterol profile. Um, and those are my main... Those are my main cautions. Um, and like you said, you, maybe you, if you want to, you could do it short term. You don't have to do this for life. It's an option. It's not something I think everybody should do, but it's an option. Mm-hmm. So um, how, how would you, how, how would you ha- have a sense whether it's right for you after evaluating everything that you said? Um, I think if, if you're healthy, if uh, healthy meaning you don't have you know gallbladder issues or or any issues where you couldn't go on this kind of diet, um, and if you like the kind of foods that are on the diet, if you like fat, you know it's it's enjoyable food for you. If you want to spend some time maybe preparing foods, if you have that time, and if you have insulin resistance, which obviously most women do, uh, and if you have a fair amount of weight that you want to lose, if you have a lot of carbohydrate cravings, then you could give it a try. Um, 
again, I'm not I'm not a proponent of it, but I'm open to people trying if they choose to. And you don't have to count all your macros and do all that. I would just kind of start out maybe slowly, um, just you know, cutting back on obviously most carbohydrates. Mainly, you would want to do vegetables, protein, and add a little more fat to your food. And then once you've done that for a while, if you did want to track your macros or if you did want to test for ketones, you can just go to your local pharmacy and get uh, the ketone, the urine testing. So you could test and see if you have ketones in your urine. That's, that's what I did. That's an easy way to start. And you pay attention to how you feel. If you do it and it's stressing yeah. you out, <laughs> which you're probably getting stressed just listening. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it should be something that – that feels good and, and that you feel positive about. And I, the majority of people, probably probably 95% of people, this is not right for. Mm-hmm. Um, but 5%, it's the best thing in the world. Right. This conference I went to, people stood up. It changed their lives. Mm-hmm. They got rid of their diabetes. They got off medication. They lost 100 pounds. They feel fantastic. And you know what? If that works for you, that's awesome. Just try and make the diet as healthy as you can. That's all I would say. So, so speaking of healthy as you can, let's, let's circle back to the healthy fats versus the unhealthy fats yeah, before we yeah. wrap up. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, you want to you try and get some plant and animal fats. If you want animal fats, some people want to be vegans. But it's, it's, this is tough to do as a vegan, this kind of diet. But you want to get plant and animal fat. So we're talking avocado, nut seeds, nut butters. You can have some coconut as well as meat. Um, I would try not to do a lot of processed meats. Like I know when you look on Pinterest and Instagram, there's tons of bacon and all that kind of stuff. I'm not a huge fan. You can have a little bit. I would rather see you get some grass-fed beef and some you know, hormone-free, other kinds of animal products. Um, but definitely add in the plant-based fats as well. Um, so we're limiting processed meats and focusing more, like I said, on the grass-fed. Um, you want to include gut-healthy prebiotics in there, like we talked about before, um, and some probiotics. Uh, limit use of artificial sweeteners. And I know, Amy, both you and I agree on that, right? Um, mm. Sometimes people will be adding in lots of artificial sweeteners to to make these little keto desserts and all that stuff since you can't have sugar. Uh, I'm not a fan of artificial sweeteners, so I would discourage you from using from using those. So what would you do, what do you think of things like monk fruit or stevia? You know, they haven't done as many studies on stevia as they have on sucralose or Splenda. It's like every time you read the news they're doing a, a new study on Splenda that's showing it it might have some pretty negative yes, effects on the body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't read much about stevia. You know, is it because they're not doing studies on it or the studies they're doing aren't, you know, panning out the same as Splenda? I mean, I think all added sweeteners, whether natural or artificial, should be limited. limited. I'm not saying don't do stevia. I guess mm-hmm. if you do sweetener, stevia might be a better choice. Um, I'm not sure of the carbohydrate content of monk fruit. I have to look that one up. Um, if it's low, yeah, that, it will be okay. But again, I think we also want to get our taste buds just away from craving something. Sweet. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, mm-hmm. 
um, keep your fiber as high as possible on a ketogenic diet as much as you can without throwing yourself out of ketosis. Um, I would even consider taking, as I said before, some kind of a prebiotic supplement. Um, there's one I have. It's called Prebiotin. And it's just prebiotics, and it pretty much has like maybe one or two grams of carbs, and it's pure fiber, and it's like a really healthy kind of fiber that's really good for the gut. And um, I think just paying attention to how your body feels. You know, if, mm -hmm. if this kind of plan makes you feel good, then do it for a while. If it doesn't, don't feel like you need to do it. So this, this has all been just such great information. I definitely learned a lot from this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Martha. I want you to just um, let us know where we can find out more about your work. And I'm sure if somebody really wants to work one-on-one -on -one, um, with you on this, you, you could be a tremendous help, you know, with a, a very specific diet and helping to figure out how it could work yeah, um, yeah. In her life, yeah. Um, so my website is MarthaMcKittrickNutrition.com. And when you go onto the website, I do have a blog that you can sign up for, and I do post about once a week, so you can sign up for the blog. And I'm also on Facebook at, I almost forgot my name, at PCOS Nutritionist <laughs> Martha McKittrick. Um, and just to be clear, like, you know, my thing is not ketogenic diets. I'm more about healthy diets. It, that aren't as restrictive, um, working with the individual person, looking at a whole lifestyle and sleep mm -hmm. and exercise and, and mental health. So this is just one little, I guess, tool in my toolbox if somebody wanted to learn more about it, but I'm more about other kinds of healthy mm -hmm. plans than this. Yeah, and it is. It's so much more than just one diet. It's really it takes a holistic approach and it's, you're right, it's mindset and sleep and lifestyle. And this is just one little, like you said, tool. Just and I, one little I, tool, yeah. Yeah, and I hope that that's how people, you know, listening are, are you know, going to view this type of diet moving forward. And we need more research. You know what we yeah. don't? We don't have enough research on the long-term effects of a ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. We just we don't have the research. Um, but you know what? If you follow it and you feel great and you've lost weight and you've lowered your insulin and your blood sugar and it's working for you, then it's probably good to do it. Yeah, and and I'd love to hear from you if 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 it's working for you. It's just it's great to have that information. Mm -hmm. So thanks again for joining thanks us. Thanks so much. You know, I'd love to have you back on. Um, I'd love to talk about vegan diets. I know that's another yeah. whole, you know, different approach, but yeah. you, you need a lot of guidance and um, a, around that type of approach for PCOS as well. So Absolutely. Okay, great. And Thanks so much. Thank you, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I look forward to being with you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps 
that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory hormone balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS diva sustainable. 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.